Somewhere out there, there's a man on a park bench eating his 500th PB&J. He has no idea Papa John's has new papadillas that are way better than a boring sandwich. With Papa John's best meats, cheeses, and veggies hand-folded into a crispy flatbread crust. Someone better tell that man. Get a new papadilla in one of four flavors for just six bucks. Better ingredients, better pizza, better than a sandwich. Papa John's. Not valid with discounts, fees, and taxes. Extra prices may vary. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com, and boy, I am so grateful to have Audible as a sponsor. They have been for a couple of years, and I just love them because they don't only have audiobooks, they have a whole bunch of audio content that you get to pick and choose. So I'm offering you a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth and sign up for the trial and explore see what you find. Um, I think you're also going to find that it's a time saver. So it's a double bonus. The Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast uh, is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to for sales, small business, social media, leadership, just a whole whole bunch of um, lists. And I am really honored but it's really because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me to have a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. Today is no different. My guest today is Devo Tyndall. Devo is a photographer, videographer, blogger, serial entrepreneur, ex-college athlete, self-made culinary chef, former corporate executive, single father of two promising young ladies, and now an emerging strategy consultant and paid speaker who is fast making his way as an expert in creative digital marketing to help small businesses and entrepreneurs brand and market using social media effectively. Keyword, effectively. Devo is currently the co-director of Sprout Connectors, a human-centered digital outreach agency with offices in Charlotte and Hilton Head, and is the co-anchor of the popular podcast, Mind Body Business. Thanks so much for joining me today, Devo. Hey, Diane. Thank you. That was a mouthful. Appreciate you getting that all out there. (laughs) 
my pleasure. I have to say that I especially like the uh, two promising young ladies. Right. Uh, right. It's really wonderful. Good for you. And uh, and, you know, being a, a podcast host, you, you know how these things roll. Um, and, and I'm really grateful that you are here with me because we're going to be talking about brand strategy. And I think it's something that uh, people don't really get. You know, I think brand is, is this weird thing. People either think they understand it and don't, or they know they don't understand it. Uh, so, but, but I, I want to talk about um, storytelling when it comes to branding, if we could. And, and you know, see if you could share um, how storytelling has an impact on our brand and or, you know, how we can use it effectively with our brand, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So branding, it, it is, it's an enigma. Uh, I don't think it has to be as complicated as some people try to make it, but at the core of branding in, in my estimate is storytelling, which if you go back to the history of, of human development, it's a keystone of our evolution from the early earliest humans sitting around a campfire and swapping stories to the latest hunt they just accomplished or the, the latest territory that they just traversed. Storytelling has been part of our our keystone of our lives from the very beginning. And, and today, obviously, trans, transported into a, a modern mix, an amalgamation of what we do with social media, traditional marketing, websites, etc. Um, you're still connecting with people on a human level. And by utilizing storytelling, it enables our marketing efforts to develop those connections with a broader audience or, or a very specific avatar, depending upon what it is you're trying to market. It's a fundamental human experience. And um, the more you can wrap your head around that, people, are, people aren't necessarily buying your product, they're buying your story, that they're buying that connection. What is it they can connect with on that human level with you? Well, that's so interesting. You know, I, I... When you say it, I get it because, of course, this is how humans have been communicating really forever. Uh, but I hadn't made the connection between that storytelling and branding before, you know, until until you just explain that and and that connection to the story, connection to the human element of it. It's interesting. Yeah, there's a well, there's some psychosis behind it. But if you understand, and you don't have to be a psychology guru to understand it. But if you just on a human level, just think about how you engage with your friends or your family and, and the products that you consume on a regular basis. More often than not, if you were to take a, an index of what's in your pantry or in your fridge, or what you wear or what you, you know, the cars that you drive, there's some sort of there's some sort of a psychosis or a psychological bond that you've developed with that. And by marketers, ability to communicate that brand to the story, you're able to elevate the meaning of your brand and better crystallize that how it fits into each of your customers' lives. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a powerful method that, and there's so many different ways you can go about it. You know, you can use storytelling to teach something. So your audience might be seeking to learn more about your product or more about the world that the two of you coalesce in. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an educational tool. It can also be a tactical, tactical tool to engage consumers. Right now, we live in this 
we live in this fragmented media world, right? And we're all competing for the same set of eyeballs to purchase the same product in essence. And so anything you can do to, to separate your brand and leverage any other assets, your value proposition, if you will, anything you can do to leverage that value proposition so that the people that you're buying to, your avatar can, can have some sense of resonance why they should give you more of their time, why they should give you more of their money and, and anything you can do to create that story around why your brand is key for them, whether it's to educate them, to make their life a little bit better, to make their life a little bit easier, you're more inclined to make that connection with them and develop sort of a long-term, a long-term buyer, if you will. Yeah, I totally understand that. that that's interesting. And, and talk to me about visual storytelling and why it's important. Well, so I think everybody wants to be on social media and everybody has something that they're selling. You know, I was talking to a woman today who has, um, interestingly enough, she is a a 60 year old woman who has been a lifelong roller skater. And she's been asked by an association of hers to take over their social media and grow that social media brand. But she doesn't have the slightest idea about social media and where to begin. And so I, I asked her to take a step back for a second and think about what are the things that made you do roller skating for the last 50 years of your life? She's been roller skating since she was 10 years old. Wow. What is it that you love about roller skating? And she started, she, you could tell she went into her happy place into this zen, this zen moment in her mind, like her eyes rolled back into her head. And she's like, oh my God, let me tell you these stories. And she rattled off, literally prattled off 20 minutes of stories of her roller skating to and from the park and after school and going to get snacks and hanging with her girlfriends and roller skating. And I was like, there's your, there's your visual. There's your, there is your je ne sais quoi, if you will. Those are the things that have resonated with you and made you a lifelong roller skater. So how can you transpose those into some sort of a visual artifact so that other people can experience that same passionate joy that you've experienced for 50 years roller skating and use that as your arsenal to create stories and backstories and behind the scenes where you pull back the curtains on what the benefits of roller skating are and visually present that as an artifact to your potential audience so they too can share in that joy. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, completely. So visual yeah. storytelling at the core, and we live in this powerful world of what are we population? Seven and a half billion people. So three quarters of that seven and a half billion are on social media. You know, you take away the young babies who don't have phones yet. And even those I was sitting <laughs> in the airport yesterday and I'm watching like two-year-olds with phones in their hands. So basically it's probably like 7.3 billion people, right? So yeah. never before in the history of humans, and, and I say this all the time, like social media is, is a heinous tool if used irresponsibly. But if you can use it responsibly, Responsibly, never before have we had the opportunity to propagate our personal story to so many people for basically free. And so visually, if we can find a way to compile all the different things that make us who we are, whether we're selling something, whether we're an influencer, whether we're a blogger, whether we're a photographer or a videographer, if we can find some way to visually create content that tells a story without having to talk about the story, people can look, they say a photo is worth a thousand words. It's worth much more than that. Because if you can capture somebody's attention with a photograph and you have the you have the capacity to do that now for free to seven and a half billion people. You've already ha- you already have your hook. And then how do you follow up on that? There's a whole different, you know, there's a whole different can of worms to that, but how do you follow up on that? <laughs> but it, and it, it's the initial leverage piece that gets people into your, into your, into your content stream. Does that make sense? 
It does, because as you're talking about it, what it keeps coming to me is that because then people can feel it for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So you think about all the great brands, you know, mm-hmm. Nikes and the Coca-Colas and the Subarus and all the people who are just brilliant at marketing. They're selling psychology to you. You're buying their psychology. They have, they have massive payrolls of people who sit behind the scenes and study the psychology of the buyer. And then the content is created to support the psychology of who they think their avatar is. And, you know, I encourage everybody I work with in this capacity is that you're not selling to everyone. You're selling to a very specific targeted audience. And because you're not a Coca-Cola, you have to be very segmented in how you market to that audience. And so visually, what kind of content should this roller skate queen create? Because her audience is not 15 year olds. Her audience is adults who are looking to get back into the space of, of some sort of safe, low density exercise that at the same time might transport them back to their yesteryears when they were ordering a milkshake, you know, on the front of their Chevy, their Chevy, their Ford Mustang, right? So, you know, how can you visually do that to transport people back into some sort of persona, if you will? Okay. A couple things. The first one is, I'm so glad you brought up Subaru because this entire time, that's what I've been thinking of. The whole Subaru is love and the dad following the bus with his daughter in it to school I mean, I remember doing that with my firstborn child. So, so connective, just absolutely, you know, hits it right there. The other thing is speaking directly to a specific audience, which I love because I agree. I think people try to market to everybody and everybody isn't a demographic. So, you know, they, they lose out. I mean, they, they end up with nobody because no one really hears their message. So talk to us about developing a niche, figuring out what that niche is, and then how does a company go about really, you know, defining that and developing that niche? Yeah. Um, before I answer that, you know, yeah. Subaru, Subaru is brilliant about that. So if you think about the, if you think about some of the core elements of humanity that, how, that is our very existence, love is, love is at the very crux of all of that, whether you're a father or you're a mother or you're a lover or you're a partner or a husband or a wife at the crux of that is love. And so they've been brilliant about taking that whole, that simple little four letter word and, and, and transposing it across like literally every spectrum of humanity, whether, you know, they had, they had that picture of those two, that couple kissing with their cars parked side by side or, you know, the father in the bus. And it's just, it's brilliant. So yeah, um, yeah anyhow, um, <laughs> developing your niche. I, so I think, I, think, um, I think early on in my business, especially because I used to work in the corporate world for years and I did photography as a sort of a, it was sort of a passion project for me. And I didn't actually realize that I was good at photography until after my marriage in 2003, when I had a less than desirable experience with my photographer. And I realized, wow, he just charged me $4,000 for a less than desirable product. It took me over a year to get that. And there's got to be a better way to do that. And so early on, I was like, Hey, I'm a photographer. And I basically pimped myself out to anyone and everybody who wants a photographer. Like I was taking dog photos and inanimate rock photos and (laughs) human photos and sunset and sunrise and everything in between. And, and I was like, there's gotta be a better way for me to, and this is, you know, I'm not a, I wasn't a marketing guru at this time. I was still pretty early on wet behind the ears trying to figure out how to run a business and work full time. And 
it, it dawned on me that I was trying to market my services to literally everyone. And I had no idea who I actually wanted to market to. And, and so I took a step back um, years later and, and really kind of went through a, a self self perpetuated exercise of better understanding who I was and what made me passionate about doing photography. Uh, and it really opened up a whole different spectrum of opportunities for me because I realized that I wasn't just passionate about photography. I was really passionate about storytelling and, and engaging with people that were looking for something a little bit deeper than just a photograph. And so being able to hone in on that and kind of expound upon that concept of storytelling for people who are looking for more of an experiential aspect really enabled me to develop the brand that I've developed over the years. So um, I, I think I sort of softly answered that question. Yeah, and, um, but okay, so, 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 so here's so. my question. Um, because I, I think it's a great example of how you figure it out. Was it uh, uncomfortable or scary to be focusing so specifically on a particular client? Well, I think it is scary initially because you're like, oh, wow, I just had to turn down that, that um that, that newborn puppy photo shoot. But what happens is when you really start to narrow in on your avatar and narrow in on your niche of who you want to work with, um, you become better at defining what you're really good at. And when you're better at defining what you're really good at, you're able to fill in the things that make you passionate. And what happens is there's sort of a cascade because you're so passionate about doing work that really stimulates you and excites you you're able to better talk about that. You're better, better able to tell that story. And you're also better able to create a, a more fulfilling product. And, and the, the other side of that is your product is better. Your service is better. Everything you do is better because you're more passionate about it. You're more likely to get on that customer service phone call that you don't like to do. You're more likely to take a look at, you know, your accounting. If, if you're still doing your own personal accounting, you're more likely to get up in the morning and be excited for your work because the things that are coming in your queue are, are exactly what it is that you want to be working on. And so I think, yeah, probably early on, it can be scary, but what isn't scary early on for, for anybody who's a virgin at something like, it, you know, and I, I, I don't roller skate, but you know, the thought of me putting on two roller skates and going down, down the street, it sounds absolutely terrifying to me because I'm, I, I don't have very good balance. So, but <laughs> But if I were to pick that up and get really good at it and practice at it and find that this is something that I really like, imagine where my opportunities would be. I just like, well, I can't wait to go roller skating with you tomorrow. Right, Diane? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, except I don't like to roller skate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've, always been, I've always been a two feet on the ground type of person. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to ski or snowboard or Me any either. of those sorts of things. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm the same way. Just, you know, keep me on the planet. I'm all good. Don't yeah, let me go up high I'm, on a, I'm really athletic. I just got to have my feet doing the work. Yeah. Not, not anything that doesn't have my feet. <laughs> I can so relate to that. And, and I, I can also relate to this idea that when you're doing something that you're passionate about, you really can tell the story. You really are. You, you get better at it. You want to be doing it. You're enthusiastic. And that enthusiasm is contagious. So the people who value that find it 
and find you because that's really what they're looking for. So you're really helping people find you by, you know, having that niche. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great way huh. of putting it. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, I, I'm all about it and I worry about people who, um, really feel like they're so afraid that they're going to miss out on business that they end up scattershotting. You know, it, it's like using a, um, what, what do they say? It's uh, using a shotgun instead of a sniper rifle. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Not a fan of guns, but I, I understand the yeah. analogy. Absolutely. I used to do the, I should go back to it. The fishing analogy. It's the difference between fishing with a net and fishing with a, a rod and reel. Yeah, that's a great analogy. In fact, I was just in Mexico and I was watching early morning. Uh, there was a guy who was out fishing with a net and I watched him cast his net and bring in his net. And then I watched him sit there and throw back more than half of, of what was in his net. And, <laughs> and then, you know, a couple of nights later, there was a, a young man and a young woman who were just sitting there at, at sun, sunrise, sunset, casting specifically their reel and just sh fishing for stuff. And um, you're right. You can be more focused on what it is you're looking for based upon the type of bait you use, where you stand yeah. in the water, what time of the day you're in the water, that sort of stuff. And so um, finding your niche is really, a, a, it, it's not a very complicated exercise, um, but it's really first and foremost, having some introspective about what you're, what you do and defining what you're really good at and, and really sitting down and making a journal entry around what are the things that I am really, really good at and what I'm really, really, really passionate about and how can I turn those into some sort of an industry for revenue. So that also speaks to not trying to be all things to all people or say that you can do something when really you can't or you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I think that when you end up trying to be everybody's personal hero, um, you, you end up running yourself into the ground because you're going to be making savior calls all day long. And, and so the sooner you can, you know, what I would alternatively suggest is to, to be everybody's connector and build up a network of people. I, I always jokingly call myself a people, a people collector because um, there's, there's a good, get, good bet that if you needed to speak to somebody, whether it be a writer or a roller skater, um, I typically probably have them in my, in my Rolodex. And, and it's because for me, um, I've always tried to just find what people's values are. And I think everybody, that's what our podcast is all about. There's a pl shameless plug for it. It's really kind of finding what people's superpowers are and helping them propagate that, promote that and shine a light upon that. And I think if I were to try to say that I was a marketing expert or if I was an SEO expert or if, or, and just, you know, take a look at my own business, you know, running your own business, you, you do have to be a Swiss army knife, but you, you have to be able to know when, when your resources or your expertise has run its course and there's somebody out there who can do it a little bit better than you. And so um, staying in your lane and kind of focusing on the business development side or whatever it is that your role is within your business and outsourcing that to other people and let them do the stuff that they're really good at and let them have that as an opportunity to, to, to grow their superpower, you'll find that your business will compound and grow a little bit more exponentially if you, everyone's kind of doing the things that they're really good at instead of trying to hire, you know, or try to hire one person, do everything simultaneously. Boy, that is such a good point. 
Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think that is huge, uh, really. At this time, I'd like to take a sponsor break. The Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. And I'm sure you know that Audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles to choose from, but you might not know about the other content. There's podcasts, Audible Originals, Guided Meditations. Uh, my favorite thing is to be able to listen to different kinds of things all on the same platform. I think it's a time saver uh, and it's like a productivity uh, hack for me. I don't have to go jumping from one platform to another. Uh, so we're offering you a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Sign up for that free trial and then explore on your own. You know, check out the audiobooks, check out the other programs, see what really, you know, resonates with you. Interested in getting some help with your sales strategy? Pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. My question is, how does a company stay unique when it really feels like there's, you know, that everyone's doing the same thing? Well, I think that, I think that there is plenty of people around for two or three or four companies to sell the same product clearly, right? You know, the automobile industry is a perfect example of that. And yeah. photography industry is a perfect example of that. R really medical, like really anything, there's enough people that are on the planet that will need your services. But more, more succinctly to that, there's enough people on the planet that have distinctive value propositions, needs and tastes and contexts that are in alignment with what you're selling mm. so that there's a piece of the pie for everybody. And I, and I think what gets, if I may, I think what gets some businesses and small, especially this is entrepreneurs and small businesses into trouble is that they don't recognize the fact that in, in a population of 100,000 people, there's 100,000 different unique personality standards. And somewhere within that mix, what their service is and what they're really good at and what they really want to offer those, that small population of 100,000, there's enough unique diversity that they can speak to that individual instead of trying to always worry about what everyone else is doing. And so I hope that makes sense. It so, does. So, so I, I don't think, you know, I've always said people are like, well, you know, you talk a lot about on social media, how you do this and what you do and all those sorts of things. And like, you're just basically giving up your secret sauce and you know, it's not a secret sauce. So let me just, let me just break the news to you. Like nothing on this planet is terribly unique. <laughs> I, you know, like everything is basically recycled and over and over and over and over and over and over. And it's just a matter of what sort of clothing you put on your recycle and resell it. That's really what makes the difference. So um, I think, I think, I think I answered that, but really for me, it's not a matter of competition. I think it's more yeah. about a, a collaboration and really fine tuning who I'm speaking to so that when people see my content and they're, you know, especially as photography world, when they're measuring it up against, you know, five equal photographers and, and, you know, there's great photographers out there, but, but my, my value proposition isn't photography. My value proposition is, is an experience. And, and anybody who has been on a photo shoot with me, 
they'll tell you, it's like, holy shit, um, I had no idea I was going to have that much fun. And, and, and so we don't sell photography, we sell an experience. And that's kind of what my value proposition is. It's, it's part comedy, it's part adventure, it's part self-deprecation, it's part getting in the car and, you know, there's been some hairy rides down freeways and I'm in a really <laughs> aggressive driver from California. So like, you know, I'll pack up my crew in the van and we just hit the road and it's like, it's a road trip and I bring food and snacks and beverages and it's like, it's when they get out of the car at the end of the end of the photo shoot, it's like, holy shit, that was really cool. When can we do it again? And so um, fine tune who you're speaking to, fine tune yeah. who you want to market to and speak to that audience exclusively. Yeah, right. Cause there is, I, I'm so grateful that th- this is how I always look at it too. You know, I do business consulting and, and sales training. Seriously, who doesn't anymore? Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but the people who, are going to hire me are the people who should be hiring me. There's plenty of people out there who need it, which is why there are plenty of people doing it. And so uh, one of the most liberating things I think is realizing that a, you're not the right resource for everybody and B you don't want to be the resource for everybody. Cause there's people you just don't connect with. There's people you don't want to be working with. Diane, you're absolutely right. And I think that last point you just made is the one that resonates with me the most is that connection piece, right? And so, you know, I always, I always jokingly say to people, are you, I don't know, are you married? Yes. Okay. So how long have you been married? Uh, 25 years. Fantastic. Bless you. So you. 25 years ago, what's your husband's name? Frank. Frank. So 25 years ago when you met Frank and you can give yeah. me all the juicy details later, you weren't like, oh my God, let's go home and sleep together tonight and get married right. tomorrow. Right. <laughs> right. You know, there was a courting process, yeah. you know, there was a get to know me process. There was, are we really compatible process? There was, right. wow, I actually really like this person. Is this somebody I can live with process? And so, you know, yeah. building your, building your raving fans, if you will, um, building your avatar, if you will, it's a process and, and building who you are as a business owner or marketer or whatever it is that you do, it's a process. And so you have to be, you have to be unafraid to experiment, poke a little bit, prod a little bit, see what works, reflect on it, adapt, grow, reflect on it, adapt, grow. And you'll find over time, if you're, if you're honest with yourself, that you'll very quickly start to develop who you are, what you are, and what makes you unique. And, and once, once you find that, if you're unafraid to stick to your guns with that and specifically grow that market, you'll very quickly find that there are people out there who very, very solidly fall under those same sort of morals, conscientious parameters, aesthetics, context, all the things that you like, you'll f- start to see that those people really are, will start to be attracted to, to you because you're talking about it. You're sharing your expertise around it. You're sharing your anecdotal stories about it. You're visually, you're visually presenting the artifacts of all the things that you do and make you smile and happy. And that's, think about it. Like when, when you're attracted to Frank, you weren't attracted because he was a grumpy old co- coder. You know, you liked him because he was happy and he was bubbly yeah. and he made you feel good about yourself and he opened the door for you. And he was a good cook, all the things that were really important to you. And so you connected with that. And, and that's, it's really not indifferent to running a business. You find people who you can connect with and grow with. And that's, and that just becomes sort of an exponential compounding effect from there. Exactly. Exactly. It's so interesting. I, I use that, like that dating analogy all the time. <laughs> no, is that right? I like that. Yeah. 
Because, you know, like prospecting is like, like, you know, what I always do is say, who got married on their first date? Right? Nobody, Nobody, unless you're in does. Vegas, right? You, just, you don't do it. So you continue to date because you're really trying to figure out, is there really, is this someone I really want to be spending time with? Because when you are working with someone, you know, to, to move it back over to the client thing, you are basically married to them. You are with them all the time. You have to continue to build the relationship and nurture it. So, yeah, you, you got to get an idea of what, what makes a good match for me. And they have to do the same thing. And I think, you know, people have to really embrace the idea that it's okay to say, I'm not the best resource for you. And pull themselves, you know, out of the bidding, so to speak, a, as a vendor. Yeah. What happens if you don't say no to somebody who your conscience is telling you at the beginning, this is going to be a nightmare. What happens to yeah. that? And, I, and trust me, I've, I've not said no. And, you know, one month yeah. into the relationship of dating this client, I was like, what the fuck was wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> I would rather cut Look off what my, I just did. <laughs> I'd rather cut off my own foot right now than get on the phone with her. So definitely you know, a sign, right? Yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. want to answer the phone. Yeah. <laughs> you either you either put in that hardship up front or you're gonna suffer it in a compounding effect very quickly down the road. Ah, yes. Very well said. Yes. I think that is a great way of putting it. And so, so you have to decide which of those pain points you're yep. willing to sacrifice. And unfortunately, if you choose the latter. It, it really is compounded because it prevents you from, from bringing in the kinds of clients and relationships you should be in because you're so consumed with bad relationships. And then you get, you, you know, jaded and you don't even enjoy what you're doing. Well, that's a great point. And you, you, not only do you get jaded, but the ancillary cascade from that is, is not only you're just you're jaded, but if you're not providing the level of service that would be build a raving fan, that customer is going to feel the exact same thing that you're feeling. They're hating you just as much as you're hating yeah. them, whether they know it or not. And, and just because you didn't provide your service to them, you didn't create an experience for them that said, holy cow, that was brilliant. And the next time that somebody they're interacting with is looking for the same sort of service that they used you for, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, they're going to be, you're not going to be at the top of their, of their yeah. Rolodex of recommendations. And so, you know, and so that's what I mean by compounding. And so the opposite is just as true. You know, if I provide a stellar service to you, I provided a service for you and an experience that you go home talking about for days to your friends, that's exactly what happens. You talk about it to your friends and your friends are going to be like, what was that really cool person you worked with a few months back, blah, blah, blah. And you're going to recommend me. And so that's what I mean. When you're, when you're in, when you're in a service oriented business, especially you're basically dating your customers yeah. and, and you're, you don't ever stop dating them because you're dating their friends and you're dating their friends, friends, and you're dating their friends and their friends, family, and et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, you're basically just basically pimping yourself out for your service. Now, 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 come on. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I do. <laughs> but, you know, pimping yourself out, you take any cover, right? You can do <laughs> no, so I'm now. very, very particular about that. I'm yes. <laughs> That's too funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's 
talk about new entrepreneurs. If, if there was like one piece of advice that you could give somebody who was just launching, just heading out there, what do you think it would be? Have a plan. Mm. Sit down and make a plan. Seriously, sit down and make a plan because, you know, you know, you, your, your, your new invention for a funnel bat might have already been invented. So how can you make the funnel bat a little bit better? I, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out, but for me, <laughs> for me, have a plan. I, I would, I would, and I don't mean you have to sit down and write out these copious business plans. I, I would just sit down and make a list of the things that you're really good at. And what is it about your business that is going to make it a little bit different and unique than everyone else is doing? And how can you go about creating that so that when you get stuck in the weeds or you kind of get ready to launch, you have a strategy around how you're going to grow and how you're going to build and how you're going to adapt and how you're going to attract and how you're going to market. Don't just, don't just think because you're a good photographer that you're going to jump into the sea of 6 million other photographers and have success. Because um, I would argue to, to, till I'm blue in the face that running a photography business is no different than running a fortune 50 business. You have to have a strategy. You have to have a plan. You have to be relatively good at the numbers. You have to be able to understand what works and what doesn't work. And just because you're a good artist, you're always going to be a good artist. If you don't know how to run a business and you don't know how to connect with people and you don't know how to network with people. So I, you know, I know a really bevy of fantastic artistic photographers who, you know, are, are working at, at nine to five jobs because they couldn't make their photography business work. And it's because they just didn't ever have a plan. They just didn't really know how to go from A to Z. And so I would say, start with the plan, work the plan, start with the plan, work the plan and, and run your company to the plan. And you won't end up working for your company. You'll, you'll be running your company instead. That is great advice. Thank you for that. I mean, that, that is really um, so valuable to, to not just have the plan, but to work the plan. Because I, I agree with you. I think so many people start out with a business because it's something that they know how to do. They enjoy it, but they don't ever think about, okay, how am I going to build this thing? What does it take? What's involved in making this into a viable business? And that's a struggle that they, they you know, is unnecessary if they just figure it out and, and get assistance with that, you know, reach out to their friends who have started businesses successfully. That's, I love that there. last point you just said is get resources and, and work with people, find a mentor, find somebody yeah. who's already done this and reach out and learn from, you'll, you'll find that most people are very willing to share their advice and, and because everyone, you know, it strokes their ego. Hey, this person's asking me how I did something. I, my ego yeah. is stroked. You asked me to be on your podcast. I'm happy to be here. It's great. So, you know, I, I always give this analogy and I have a business coach, by the way, I'm not afraid to admit it. I need someone to hold me accountable. I run three companies and I have a team of people that work together with me and I'm a squirrel chaser, like literally a squirrel chaser. I've, I'm an ideation guy. Like I have all yeah. these brilliant ideas. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, Ooh, I did, Ooh, I did. And, and what happens is I get off target and I start fleshing out the right. idea and, and my, my coach is like, reel it back in Devo, reel it back in. So um, that's what I meant by working the plan. But early on, and I, yeah. I just this offer, I'll offer this simple analogy. Fresh out of college, um, I got this fantastic opportunity to work in New York City. And I was one of two people in the entire world that was hired for this job. Truthfully, I'm really proud wow. to say that. And 
And I got this really cool salary of, of $70,000 fresh out of college. And this is back in wow. 1994 and $70,000 in 1990, I'm sorry, 1997 for me, that's a boatload of money growing, growing up sure. dirt poor from a family of 12. I nice. literally never had a dollar in my pocket. And so um, $70,000 and I was never taught anything about financial metrics or budgeting or planning or anything like that. I went to college, got my degree and, you know, stepped out fresh on my feet and hungry for the world and ready to make my empire. And so I got this $70,000 job and I was like, damn, man, I'm the, I am the, I'm the Mac daddy here. And I went out and bought this really expensive car. And, um, you know, I was like, I can afford that car. It's only this, I'm making this sort of money. And I never had sat down and factored in that I had to pay for, for, for my lease, for my car, for my house that I never had to pay um, taxes for water, for electricity, that I had to buy groceries, that I needed to buy gasoline, et cetera, right? All of the, all of the lifestyle expenses. And when it came down to my month to month after my $70,000 paycheck, I was like, dude, I have barely enough to buy mustard and saltine crackers for lunch today. And I had never sat down and really planned out my life. I just thought, hey, I can afford a $70,000 car. I'm going to go buy it because look how cool I am. And so your business is really the same way. Don't go out and just buy a $70,000 opportunity without some sort of a plan of how you're going to make that plan work. And then that's, that's kind of a lesson learned the hard way, but here I am, you know, I was, I was yeah, but you learned it. it right. And you're sharing it with others. So they don't necessarily have to go through the same thing. So absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Wow. This is so great. And so talk about what is Sprout Connectors and then, you know, how can people learn more about it and about you and, you know, get in touch? Thank you for asking. So uh, Sprout Connectors, we are a, we are, for lack of a better word, we are a modern media marketing agency. Um, I don't like the word agency, but I'm just going to use that because everybody likes that, that semantic. Um, we are, back in 2008, my partner Lisa and I were both photographers and content creators, et cetera, videography. And we were kind of, we were really kind of dabbling in the commercial space and working with a lot of commercial um, businesses for, for their website content and for their social media content. And what we noticed early on is that we were creating this really brilliant photo and video content for them, but they didn't really know what to do with it after that. And so, so we formed Sprout, which is, it's a combination of the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. And we're, we're artists, but we're also business people and we're analytical and we're very strategic about how we do our own businesses. And so what we do is we go in and we help small businesses, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs that have a defined budget for marketing, and we create their content for them over a series of, you know, six months, 12 months. And it's very strategic content based upon the mission and the values of their company. And so we're not just out there shooting photos for the shit of it. We're out there meeting with our clients and treating them just like we were consultants on their team. And so we go through a very intensive discovery process to understand what it is that makes your business work and tick. Where do you, what, what are your growth numbers look like? What are your metrics? Who is your avatar? Who are you marketing to? And then we go ahead and we create a social media strategy around what their business value proposition is to support that business value proposition. And then we manage that content and that social media streams for them so that they can be freed up to focus on their business and not caught up in the day-to-day -day weeds of running social media. Wow. So that's, that's Sprout. That's cool. Yeah. And how do people find you? So you can find us on our website, 
uh, sproutconnectors.com. That's plural, sproutconnectors.com. Or you can also find us both on social media. Um, my f- social media handle is Fusion, F-U-S-I-O-N, Photog. Um, we have a Sprout uh, platform, but because we both have really strong social media, we're still using our Fusion and Lisa um, feeds in the time being until we kind of merge and coalesce the two. Um, Lisa Staff is my partner. Um, she's Lisa Staff Photo on Instagram or lisastaffphoto.com. But if you want to get in touch with me, you can go directly to our website, which is sproutconnectors.com. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, there was, it, it's so valuable to, for people to listen and realize that it's their story that is really the thing that is resonant with the clients that they are supposed to be working with. I mean, you know, to put a big bow on it. And so I really appreciate uh, you coming on and sharing that information. I think, especially as we are into a new year, it's a really valuable thing for people to pay attention to. So thank you for You're that. Welcome. And thank you for the opportunity. Enjoyed being on the show with you. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. And I would like to thank uh, the listeners you are who we're doing this for. Our goal is that you get the information that you need so that you can do better things in your business and that you also learn about experts out there who you can then reach out to to get some assistance. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Head on over to audibletrial.com businessgrowth. Sign up for your free trial and check out all of the incredible content that is there for you and uh, get your sales strategy headed in the right direction with Succeed Without Selling. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Me, 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 but also you. (laughs) The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.